Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 149 of Geek Time Radio. We're back this week with... Gray! Hello! <laughs> Thank you for that intro. No, the, the question is, do you recognise the intro? <laughs> yes, I do recognise the intro, but I'm not going to be able to name it. It's one of those it's, things that you just know it and then you can't name it. It's the Pearl and Dean advertising theme from the cinema. That's, which, I've, I've pro- yeah, I heard it when I was little. And, yeah, uh, yeah that's good. It's a, it's a sound from my youth. That's, that's yeah. why I thought. And given that uh, you are our film reviewer and you're also on because we're going to be talking about the Oscars this week, uh, I thought it was appropriate. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how have you been? Because you've been away and doing things and stuff, haven't you? Yes, I feel like a very bad film reviewer recently <laughs> because my life has been so hectic. As uh, obviously, I spoke to you last time. I was a teacher, um, yeah. but I've moved to London and life went into overdrive. And then I went away at half term, and then the snow, and it's just completely. Uh, not me back and so I've been managing to get lots of TV in but getting to the cinema has been really really difficult I managed to escape to see Black Panther uh, when I was at a meeting in Wales not long ago oh, good. Uh, but that's that's the only film I've got to see in a while so as a bad film reviewer that I am I'm going to be trying <laughs> to get out in the next two weeks and get some proper reviews back up on the website yes yeah that that would be good so where, how's Black Panther is it as good as everybody says it is because I haven't got around to seeing it yet either um, it is a really good film Film. And I'm saying it's a good film. I'm avoiding saying it's part of one of the Marvel cinematic superhero films. It's just a really good film. It's got a good story and it's got a, a good acting and it's got a real good meaning behind it. And and then at the end, I, I say this because it's almost at the end, you remember, oh, yes, it's part of this bigger jigsaw. Right, yeah. Because that's the movie sort of takes you on this journey where you for a moment forget that it's part of that. And, you know, I know there were a lot of things on, on forums saying, oh, the, the final Infinity Stone is going to turn up and this is all going to finally connect. It didn't need that at all. It just was genuine. It had really good intentions. It told a good story. The the narrative wasn't all reliant on this big explosive fight where lots of places were going to be destroyed <laughs> and crumbled. And that's, for me, that made it different, that made it stand out. And it, it definitely goes up into my top five Marvel films. It, it was really, really good. Awesome. I am looking forward to going to see it. It's one of the ones that I definitely want to go out and see because uh, I, I just haven't managed to 
get with the snow and everything the last few days i haven't managed to get out to see anything yet mm-hmm. i've just been busy before then so uh, i will definitely be going to see it so what else have, have you uh, been doing since you said you've been catching up on tv yes yeah, so um obviously when i went away on uh, i've been away twice been to america and i've been to qatar interestingly in the middle nice. east I, I i packed my ipad with lots of things so just some of the things i completed since i last chatted to you uh, grace and frankie i got through that yes uh, the the good place I finally finished Jack Whitehall, um, um, yes. and then Queer Eye I finished just last week. Um, all brilliant. I, I'm really loving Netflix at the moment. I think I'm, I'm getting into some really good programs. So they're all done and dusted. Yeah. Um, impressed with some of the stuff BBC are putting out. And I know I put a tweet out a few days ago just because um, I finished in the last few days finishing uh, Ronnie Cheng, um, International Student, which I'd been floating around since before Christmas and I downloaded it but never got around to watching it. And I noticed it was it was about to run out on my iPad, but I thought, oh, I'll watch it. I really enjoyed it. It's different. Um, it's an Australian comedy and it just had a different twist on it. And I enjoyed that. Uh, Witless was really good. That came back again. And the standout for me, I hope, I think I think there's one more episode left is the young offenders have you oh, seen it i haven't no no it's it's a uh, two irish boys and it's just really well written and it's just got a really good story behind it and it, it's hilariously funny but also quite moving as well um and i just sort of applaud the bbc for sort of commissioning that and um when you have a season where i've just been watching dairy girls as well and then i watch the young offenders i'm really into me irish comedies now <laughs> i'm really starting to enjoy them um but no, really impressed with that. Uh, and then I watched finished programs like Kiri, Hunted, um, uh, SAS, Who Dares Wins. Yeah. Finally finished Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Finished that last night. And <laughs> I've got the, the new episode ready to watch. Maybe I'm going to watch it later after we finished our recording. Yeah. Um, also finished The Gifted, Delicious, Trolleyed and The Tunnel Vengeance. As you can see, I've been piling the the box sets and ticking them off and like another one down another one down but that's at the expense of not going to the cinema (laughs) yeah yeah i mean um a good good timing on agents of shield given the uh that was a nice surprise actually because when that turned up this week for season five i hadn't realized it was a two-hour premiere which is rather lovely yes it is i might not watch it tonight (laughs) (laughs) so uh so yeah well you can watch half of it tonight so uh, but yeah it's um it's a two-hour premiere well it's definitely i think was i don't know how it ran in the US but there is a sort of obvious endpoint in the middle I think so uh, there's you know it's, it's definitely two episodes that have been mushed together but um, really loving that completely different direction so uh, so yeah finding that very very enjoyable I've picked up lots of programs so when I finished all of those I always try and pick up something new um, and so I started watching I'm into the second episode on Netflix of seven seconds right okay not have seen that one so this is um, a crime drama based on um, a young black boy who gets run over by a cop and it's about the cover-up um, ah. and that's just that's just what I've learned from episode one um, and I'm into episode two and the central character is an actress called Claire Hope Achete and um, we would know her um, from the Channel 5 uh, crime drama with Faye Ripley uh, Suspects. Oh yes, yeah. Which was all um, uh, sort of improvised mm. crime drama. Uh, but she's a central character and I'm saying this was a real like I hope she changes but I really don't like her character and I I don't know if it's because Claire Hope is acting it really well she's a bit of a at the moment she hasn't got much 
sort of guts or sort of drive to solve this case. She feels a bit weak to me. And I'm hoping that that's part of the story that she's going to use this case to build up her strength. And, but you know, it's, it's, I'm second episode in, um, I'll keep go getting through that. And, uh, I think, you know, that's something different. I think it's a bit of a crime drama yeah. that I saw come up. I've started a sitcom called everything sucks on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. I've seen the first episode of this. I, I don't know whether oh. I, it, I just looked at it at the wrong time or I, but it, it didn't connect with me at all. No, you know what? I think I turned it on hoping I was going to get something like the Goldbergs. But yeah. I ended up with something more like 13 reasons why with a bit of comedy and I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm two episodes into that. I think I might try and get to the halfway point and make my judgment there, whether I turn it off yeah. or not. And then I, I said this, I so I've started watching bliss with Stephen Mangan. Yes, I yes. haven't caught it yet. I'm aware of it, though. I really dislike it. I watched one episode and I was like, I just, I don't like the story. And I just don't like, I, I really like Stephen Mangan. I can't wait until episodes comes back. But I did just didn't like him in this. And the stories are very far-fetched and it's supposed to be sort of pulling on the heartstrings. But oh, this guy is an idiot. And <laughs> I, th- I think I might stop that one. Right. Um, uh, and then... Uh, the other one is Young Sheldon. So I, I watched one of those on the one of my plane journeys. Right, um, yeah. And I've given the second episode a go, and it is very different from... Um, very, oh, very oh, different from Big Very Man. different, yeah. It's just a completely different sort of uh, approach to the humour. I like it. I, you know, I, maybe uh, watching it back-to-back with Big Bang's not good for me. Maybe I need to sort of do a little bit of, like, um, batch-watching and binge-watching. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm enjoying that. I am really enjoying Young Sheldon. It kind of reminds me of sort of the wonder years uh, which is yeah. a very old tv show if you've uh, if you're not aware of that but uh, <laughs> I, I vaguely remember hearing about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, it very much reminds me of that sort of of thing but with more comedy you know it's like a comedy version of that but uh, i am thoroughly enjoying it um and things i'm looking forward to starting and mainly a lot of these are just stored on my ipad so um, i'm a little bit behind on some of the shondaland shows i know that um gray's anatomy and scandal have both come back i need to start those yeah. obviously shield we just talked about um i've listened um to what you were talking about save me last week which is the new at sky atlantic yeah. put all episodes on at once i can't wait to start that i've seen some of the advertising around so i'm going to download those and get onto those and um marcella is also on my uh, on my ipad waiting to get started i think they're about three episodes in now so i better hurry up with that before i hit i read too much of the plot in the uh, news and website so yeah i mean save me i started this week uh it was one of those shows that i i kind of was in two minds about i really like lenny james but i was I don't know. I something didn't quite grab me about the advertising for it. I don't know whether it was I don't know what it was. But I kind of thought, oh no, I'm gonna force myself to watch it. And it's brilliant. I I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Lenny James kind of playing this sort of wide boy character. He's has a daughter who he hasn't seen pretty much ever. Uh and she goes missing and he gets blamed for it. It's really well constructed, very, very interesting 
story and plot and uh yeah lenny james is superb in it and it's nice to see him doing an english accent rather than his his american that we're very used to on uh walking dead so i mean yeah i i would highly recommend that i i thought it was really really solid drama that um really good scope atlantic show other stuff this week all the dc shows are back so uh flash arrow legends legends is still i think my favorite show out of that lot just because it's light and fun and they had Constantine back this week which is always great as far as I'm concerned because Matt Ryan is amazing in that role so uh, really enjoyed that and they seem to have let him be more Constantine-y than he was in the Constantine t- <laughs> in the Constantine TV show which is kind of odd but uh, very, very I'm going to be back onto those as soon as I can um, The Flash I know I was really keen of the, the end of season the mid-season finale of yeah, Flash yeah. That was one of the best ones I'd experienced, so I can't wait to watch that. I've downloaded it, but again, just get on to watching that pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Flash is good. Arrow was actually all right coming back. Um, I, I, I think it's the one that I like least out of the DC shows, but it's uh, still pretty, pretty solid, I thought, coming back. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talked about uh, Assassination of Gianni Versace, the new American crime story. I, I started that. That, that again, I mean, it's it's pretty much what you've come to expect from those Ryan Murphy shows. Um, incredibly well put together drama. Very interesting story. I, I purposely tried to avoid going and looking up any of the historical stuff because um, I remember I remember it happening because it happened in the 90s so I remember him being shot I don't re- know exactly what happened to the guy or why he did it so I'm sort of avoiding looking any of that up but uh, but that's just started on BBC2 so worth yeah. going to check out the only frustrating thing is you can't download it on iPlayer you have to watch it live you have to well watch uh, it and stream it rather than downloading it so it can't solve my train journey problems ah yes that <laughs> That must be a rights issue, a streaming streaming yeah. rights issue. That's frustrating. Um, so yes, there's that. Unreal returned for its third season on Amazon Prime. If you've not caught Unreal, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend that show. It's it's a series about one of those awful American dating shows, the uh, you know the Bachelor sort of things. And mm-hmm. uh, essentially, that's the the idea for it. They've got their first female sort of bachelorette as the uh, the lead in this one. It's so so well written. It's a Martin Noxon series, and Martin Noxon was one of the uh, Buffy alumni writers. Uh, she did Buffy and Angel, but it's just amazing. Really, really well written. The kind of crew are essentially a bunch of narcissists that don't particularly like each other, but a sort of this ding. Dis- dysfunctional family and then the contestants are even more narcissistic you know because they're going on this sort of show so there's the first two entire two seasons are on uh, Amazon Prime third season's just started last week even if you don't think you would you know because I'm like why would you watch a show about like a dating series but it's so well written it's thoroughly well worth watching so I that came back iZombie back as well a really nice start to that I, it's a fun sort of show that you don't have to think about too much and uh, it's just well put together uh, they've they've got into a very interesting position it's one of those shows that seems to change quite a lot each season and uh, the uh, the lead actress does an amazing job kind of because the basic premise is she works in a morgue uh, helping the police and she helps the police by eating the brains of the victims to, uh, to uh, and and by doing that she 
takes on certain personality traits of the victims and sees flashes of their memory. So every episode, she gets to slightly play different versions of sort of herself, but mixed in with this other bits of these personalities. And she does such a fantastic job of it. But the uh, the latest season takes very much an interesting new direction as zombies have, have now become known to the public. So uh, that's that's become quite interesting. But season four of that is now airing. Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, which is, you know, the show that we championed hugely on uh, on this podcast and on the website and uh, interviewed some of the directors. In fact, we interviewed the director and creator of the series, Michael Diner, who actually did this week's episode, which is called The Father Thing. Uh, stars Greg Kinnear, and it's it's essentially an invasion of the body snatchers mixed with the Goonies. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's it's sort of I mean it's aliens aliens appear take over certain members of the population, and it's the kids that are kind of figuring this out and what to do about it. Uh, I really, really like this episode. It was a strong episode to come back on because some of these, because it's an anthology series, some are better than others. Uh, but I, I thought the father thing was a really solid episode to come back on. I'm just checking my downloads list. That's, that's there. <laughs> I just downloaded that. <laughs> uh, and uh, Walking Dead, of course, back for the second half of season eight. Won't go into a huge amount of detail on this. If you want to know more about what we thought of the Walking Dead, you can catch the uh, Walking Dead podcast over on Ed entertainmenttalk.org which we do weekly with Matt who is one of the co-hosts of this show so that is back uh, and uh, yeah we, you can hear all the stuff that and what we thought about it but that was quite an interesting discussion on Walking Dead this week given all the events that happened so um, so yes that's the sort of stuff I've been up to it's, it's been a fairly hectic uh, week with things starting and uh, all that sort of thing the other thing of course this week was the Oscars which happened last night and I I actually managed to stay up until about quarter past three in the morning before I finally relented and went to bed. Uh, you obviously have a proper job and had to and, and had to go to bed and not watch yes. anything live. But I know you've been following it and you've caught up with some things. Yeah. So do you want to start this off by just going through some of the categories and uh, talking about the, the winners and, and things, I guess, and the losers yeah. in the categories? Yeah, I mean, I, I've done some statistics reading and looking at things like that. And obviously uh, a huge headline at the moment, obviously the Oscars were project diversity and it was a real celebration of diversity um, it still had some um, odd results um, and some very predictable ones yeah. um, I think that the best actor and best actress um, I felt they were justified they were I called those very early on and I think they have been following the flow of the award ceremony so I'm not surprised by Gary Oldman and Francis McDormand no. um, I think the best picture is still divisive um, I haven't seen yeah. the show of water but I listen to the people talking to me. I watch the reviews. Uh, I see some people sort of dumb down the plot into a sentence for me and say right. that's basically it. And I'm like, it's not making me want to go. So I know that being the winner is is a divisive one. Um, and I celebrate Guillermo del Toro. I think he's a brilliant director. But I, I wonder if, you know, we missed a well, the Academy missed a trick here by one of the others. There there are probably three in that title that could have been a huge step forward even yeah. more for this Project Diversity. But a fact I read today, out of all the Best Picture nominee, nominees, the only ones to go home with nothing, absolutely nothing, was The Post and Ladybird. Everyone else came out with something um, throughout the other categories. Yeah. I, I mean, found that 
interesting. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people upset, particularly about Ladybird yeah. going home with absolutely nothing. Uh, it's just one of those things, I think, unfortunately. I mean, I, I get the best picture. I think part of the best picture was you sort of feel that Glita del Toro should have an Oscar by now, and he doesn't. And <laughs> and I think that's part of the reason people maybe voted The Shape of Water, because there's a lot of people saying, you know, it's not as good as some of his other films. It's certainly not as good as Pan's Labyrinth, which probably, you know, which wasn't even nominated in Best Picture. He got nominated for the writing. So, I mean, I sort of embrace it in the fact that it's kind of an odd movie to win Best Picture, given that it is about, you know, love between a human and a fish man. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like you, I haven't seen the movie myself, but I know from what people are saying exactly the same things that, that you know, they've yeah. said to you. Out of the other things in the category, I, I would have loved to have seen Get Out win. Yeah. Because I think that could have been a massive, massive step forward for them. Darkest Hour, uh, it's a very predictable, safe choice to me, I think, Darkest Hour. And Dunkirk as well. I think that mm-hmm. both of them are very much Oscar bait type movies. And same with The Post, you know, all three of them, they can be brilliant, brilliant films. But I think if it if it had gone to any of those, I think it, it would have been an incredibly predictable, you know, you go, yeah. Eh, yeah, well, of course, you know, it would have been one of those things. I, I think Get Out would have been quite interesting. Three billboards outside Ebbing's Missouri I know a lot of people have said very very good things about and I haven't seen it yet but um, brilliant brilliant I saw it on the plane brilliant (laughs) yeah so I mean I've seen very few of of the uh, the films but I that that I from what I hear is an incredibly good film Mm. so you know in terms of the other categories Alice and Jenny winning for best supporting role in I Tanya I thought was great good 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 but that was such an amazing category if you just look at those five actresses I would not be surprised if all five of those actresses were one day in the same best actress category yeah just such a brilliant like group and to call the best out of those is, is a hard enough job but you know I absolutely agree with Alice and Jenny she's brilliant yeah I mean I I, I, I'm kind of torn because I love Alice and Jenny because I adored the West Wing and I love Laurie Metcalf as well. I think she's an incredible actress. And the clips I've seen of Lady Bird, I really want to see Lady Bird because the, the little bits I've seen from that seem, it looks like an amazing film and she looks brilliant mm. in it. So, uh, I, you know, that that for me, I would have quite liked to have seen Laurie Metcalf win because Alice and Jenny is one of the things as well. So that would have been nice. But yeah, I mean, you know, but it is an incredible category that I mean, really, really yeah, quite yeah. solid. Uh, supporting actor went for Sam Rockwell. Again, not his first time he's he's won an Oscar having been nominated multiple times. Part of me wanted it to go to Christopher Plummer. Yeah, that was that whole that the issue surrounding Christopher Plummer's casting may had that one was the only one that really stood out yeah. um, I don't think many people have been talking about the other three It to me it was always a two horse race between Sam Rockwell and Christopher Plummer just by reading around it and I watched three billboards I haven't watched all the money in the world but they were standing out as the ones just by what everyone was talking about yeah absolutely and uh, you know I, I did wonder whether Christopher Plummer will get it because they do have a you know given the controversy that got him the casting role in the first place and the fact that he is pushing what 90 something uh, (laughs) uh, you know it's one of those things that you kind of think well maybe they'll give it to him because of that but I'm very very happy for Sam Rockwell because I I think he's a a phenomenal actor and uh, he's been nominated multiple times this is his first win so I think that was great original songs went to uh, Coco for Remember Mm. Me 
Um, I'm a little bit disappointed in that. I, I really did want This Is Me to get it. I think it was, it would so have been. So did I, yeah. yeah. And certainly the performances on the night, This Is Me absolutely blew everything else out yeah. of the water. This Is Me was a phenomenal performance. Also, the background of the, I can't remember the lady's name, but the, the lady that actually sings it was coaxed into doing not only the song, yeah. but actually the role by yeah. Hugh Jackman because she'd kind of given up on it, uh, you know, yeah. given up on acting. And then she, you know, it would have been amazing if she could have walked away with an Oscar for that. But, you know, an Oscar nomination is not bad considering you kind of given up on everything. But uh, Exactly, yeah. She was just so emotionally overcome and her story, she was a session singer. She was basically a session singer doing the songs for the musical while they were trying to get the money. And then Hugh Jackman just basically said, you've got to do it and the only way that I'm going to continue with this movie if you've got to do it and that's just a really heartwarming story yeah. I know that she was interviewed on Graham Norton recently and that was just you know I think she's a brilliant performer as well yeah and uh, yeah like I say on the night certainly she blew everything else out of the water mm. original score you went to uh, Shape of Water yep uh, Andrea Desplat I mean you're up against Hans Zimmer and um, John Williams in that yeah. category as well and I mean John, John Williams interestingly John Williams has basically said that he thinks the next Star Wars movie maybe is last Star Wars movie um, huh? so uh, there was a, a, a thing up on online earlier today that he has said 10 is quite enough so um uh, you know which i think is a fair point and there are enough of the talented uh, composers around that you could i mean they're always going to be that's the thing whoever takes it over is always going to slightly be aping john williams whatever they yeah. do but, but you know there are enough people around i think that could uh, could be given a decent shot at it hopefully i mean if he's not winning for this maybe they will give it to him for the next one it's been a long time since John Williams actually won an Oscar. I think he won for the original Star Wars. I don't think he's won many others for, or certainly not won for things which are, in, you know, some incredible memorable themes. He didn't pick up Oscars for them. And you kind of think, you know, some he's written some of the most memorable music. You know, he needs to get another one at some point. Yeah. And he should really maybe get, if, if the next one is his last one, they should give it to him for the next one, maybe. Just doing my research. He's, he's won, he says he's won five Oscars. Right, okay. So okay. he's won it for Schindler's List, E.T. Yeah. Uh, he's also won it for... Fiddler on the Roof, <laughs> okay. amazingly, uh, and Jaws. And so Jaws, he, oh, he did win it for yeah. Jaws, yeah. yeah. You think of all the other things he's done, as well as Star Wars and Indiana Jones and, you know, all those other things. It's just, yeah. there are things that he probably should have won for and didn't. But yeah, in terms of the other sound categories, uh, sound editing and sound mixing both went to Dunkirk. I have to say, when you've got those two categories and Julian Slater was in there for Baby Driver, how you can vote anybody above Julian Slater for those films is beyond me. And I mean, we have interviewed Julian on previous shows uh, where he goes into talking about the amount of work that went into syncing up those baby driver sounds. I, I mean, I'm sure the sound in Dunkirk is brilliant, but the sound in Baby Driver is spectacular. And just the level of editing and mixing and, and the cleverness of how he brought those sounds together, he should have been able to walk away with that. And I, I that, that really disappoints me that they didn't give it to Baby Driver. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit... That was my brilliant movie. I mean, I can't fault Dunkirk. I loved it. I was encapsulated by the sound and the editing. Um, but I, I almost feel like they should have been split. I think Baby Driver should have possibly got one of them. I can't yeah. say which one. They the, To me, they're on a knife edge to being equally as amazing. But I, yeah, Baby Driver 
the editing and oh it's brilliant in that i really enjoy that yeah I, i'm sort of with you i mean if if he got one i i think the fact that dunkirk got both of them kind of annoyed me if if he got one or the other that would have been fine mm. but you know and they could have given one to dunkirk and, and one to baby driver but i think the fact that he lost out on both i'm kind of annoyed for him you know so uh, yeah Animated feature went to Coco. There's nothing in there, is there? But, That's but a really, really not a great category. I mean, the Boss Baby was in there for goodness' sake. Oh, so goodness it was, it, it was gonna go for, to Pixar for that. There was pretty much uh, no question that Pixar were gonna pick that up for Coco. Adapted screenplay went to Call Me by Your Name. Original screenplay. This went to uh, Get Out. Jordan Peele's one Oscar, yep. having three nominations, one one on your first time out, and the first black writer to be to win an Oscar for best original screenplay. Apparently as well um brilliant he's he's phenomenal absolutely phenomenal and and he was up against shape of water three billboards ladybird and the big sick as well that was one of the favorite you know a lot of people thought the big sick was going to get it um uh, I, I remember listening to some other sort of uh reviews saying that the the screenplay was, was hotly tipped but you know it's really good for jordan pill again project diversity is, is taking its uh, real name there and in terms of the range of winners that we've got yeah and uh, there's there was a lot of things on twitter afterwards because there's some great photos of uh, keenan michael key who is jordan peele's sort of longtime comedy partner of uh, key and peele and uh, there's some great photos on twitter of them uh you know and people writing things like find somebody that looks at jordan peele the way keenan michael key looks at uh, looks <laughs> Him, you know. so, but yeah i mean he, he was there's some great photos online of of the you know him sort of celebrating his friend's win and stuff and i'm i'm really happy that he got at least one oscar out of the three that he was nominated for and i i think this was a case of that was sort of a sign that he wasn't necessarily going to win best picture because i think it was sort of we'll give him one but i'm sure we'll see him again after this get out's been such a huge phenomenal hit that uh you know i'm i'm sure we'll see him back at some point uh, I have to say I love The Big Sick though as well yeah. Kamari Najani and uh, his wife Emily Gordon just wrote such a fantastic script for that it's a brilliant brilliant film I think Ross was raving about it a few weeks ago on the show as well uh, uh, but I, I do love that film and uh, it's well worth going to see if you've not called it. Cinematography after 14 oh, nominations. <laughs> 14 nominations. Well done, Roger. <laughs> Roger Deakins finally, finally takes it. And I, I'm glad that he took it for Blade Runner 2049. It wasn't like he took it for something which he shouldn't have got it for. You know, I mean, yeah. the cinematography is stunning in Blade Runner 2049. Uh, I have mixed feelings about the film as a whole. It, it's a beautiful 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 film i think there's very little plot in it but it's a beautiful beautiful movie and so if it's going to win for something i'm glad it won for cinematography and i'm glad it finally got him his oscar uh, <laughs> I mean, it's about time really i mean roger deakins has been cinematographer on so many amazing films that you know it's about time they gave him one you've also got in that category you've also got darkest hour dunkirk mudbound and shape of water dunkirk i think was probably your biggest threat there i would have thought yeah definitely even though that a lot of people talk about mudbound um and saying that that could have been netflix's uh first oscar but they got an oscar 
for something else a bit later. I think we'll cover that. Uh, Netflix got their first Oscar. Yeah, it was the documentary, wasn't it? I think documentary yeah. feature Icarus they won for. Yeah, that's it. Um, they'd got a lot. They'd got um, uh, an Oscar last year for a mini, but this is their first main feature Oscar. Uh, a lot of people thought it'd go to uh, the Mudbound screenplay, but it, uh, it went to the documentary in the end. And that's a, that's a real step forward for Netflix as a company now. And that's going to really put them in a, a good position as they, we move forward and the the big six might be under threat as a distribution uh, team and they might have to let Netflix in. They might have to start considering them as serious competition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's nice to see them get something for, for that. And uh, I haven't actually watched the documentary, but I, I keep on meaning to go watch more documentaries on Netflix because there are some great ones on there. So Icarus may be the one that I go and uh, look up next. Um, film editing went to Dunkirk again Baby Driver nominated in that and uh, I mean the the person that I would have loved to have won is Tatiana Rasrigal because we interviewed her as well for Itania yes <laughs> um, and uh, I would have loved her to win but I think given that the competition was Baby Driver Shape of Water Dunkirk and Three Billboards I don't think she stood much of a chance, unfortunately. But it would have been lovely to see a female film editor win in that. Mm. But um, because they're so rare, you don't really see many film editors yeah. these days. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, that would have been quite nice. But uh, yeah, Dunkirk, I think, is a fitting uh, winner for that category. I would have thought. Yeah. Um, actor went to. I would have loved Daniel Kaluuya to win this, but of course went to Gary Oldman. I think you've got to give it to him for that. It was a phenomenal yeah. performance. Such a good performance, yes. Given the amount of makeup he's under as well in that thing, I mean, you know, and you he just embodied it so well. You very, very rarely did you actually spot Gary Oldman in there. It was only the odd <laughs> occasional thing quite often when we went to the cinema to see it. I was talking to my friend and we were sort of saying, yeah, you, you very, very rarely do you notice that it's Gary Oldman. You know, he, he was so involved in that character. I thought he did an yeah. amazing job with that. Francis McDermott, of course, uh, winning for three, three billboards for actress, uh, which, I mean, a lot of people thought that she'd probably do that. Meryl Streep was up for The Post. Uh, Sasha Ronan was uh, Lady Bird. Margot Robbie for I, Tanya, and Sally Hawkins for Shape of Water. But... I mean, if nothing else, she gave the best speech of the night. Of course, yes. And this new term, well, this, not this new term, it's been a term out there for a while, but she uh, used the term inclusion rider at the end. And I've been reading about this today. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And it, it just holds companies, production companies to account to make sure that there's representation on both sides of the camera for women, men, um, also sexuality, ethnicity. And there even, I, I read somewhere they could break down percentages and each company was supposed to represent uh, this balance and I thought that was really good it's a shame they have to do it yeah but it's really good step forward that she's called it out and said like we need these inclusion riders more people out there need to ask the production company to tell them that I will be in your film but there needs to be an inclusion rider. And I think that's fantastic and really making this an Oscars that will stand out. Yeah. Given the amount of power that some of these actors and actresses have, I think it's definitely something that's worth asking for. You know, if yeah, you can definitely. change things for the better, it's worthwhile. And then, yeah, we've we've spoken about director, uh, which uh, went for Camaro del Toro, uh, one for Shape of Water. And, uh, you know, like we say, I think not necessarily the film I would have given it to him for. 
I mean, that's sort of the weird thing. It's one of those. It's one of those things that you could have given best director to say Lady Bird, yeah. and given best picture to Shape of Water, maybe, and split it that way. Although I do also feel think that it feels a bit odd if you're giving best director to somebody that doesn't then win best picture. Yeah, they've had they have that issue each year, don't they? Because was it last year the best picture and best director were different, and some people are, well, how can that be possible? But then why would you have two separate awards if it can't be possible i suppose would be the question yeah yeah exactly so i don't know but unless it's just a case of you can't decide so you give one to one and one to the other maybe um but yeah so maybe maybe they could have given gilmero one uh you know the the best director or given it best picture but he ended up going with, with both it seems mm-hmm. to have struck a chord with shape of water so there you go fish sex for everybody uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yes any, any other thoughts on on these oscars well the only thing that's been so i've been reading around is that could we see black panther having nominations next year and uh, i've read a few blogs about it and it will be eligible for yeah. uh, the nominations and when you go and see it maybe we have this conversation next time i'm on dave i think it definitely has the potential to to get its place in a few of these categories so that would be a superhero movie with oscar nominations would be a huge step forward yeah i mean i hope so i really do um it would be an amazing thing to see i hope it's not just in technical categories and it is in some of the main categories as well uh, if it does get a nomination I my only slight worry is that it's been too early in the year for people to actually remember it when it comes up to the nominations next year Get Out did it didn't it because that was out um, uh, really early last year so okay yeah maybe maybe yeah. so yeah but I would love that to happen I hope that's the case we'll, but we'll have to wait and see so with the Oscars stuff out of the way let's move on to some uh, more normal TV and film news yeah <laughs> 
They've cancelled the uh, what looked to be fairly awful Porridge sequel or Porridge kind of continuation series that uh, that they they put out last year on the BBC. That's been cancelled. Uh, and Superstore, which has been running on ITV2 over here, has been renewed for a fourth season. Excellent news. Also today, they've announced that Black Mirror is back for a fifth season, but I don't think that's surprising to anybody. <laughs> no, that's that was almost a certain. If Charlie Brooker's got the content, then they'd ever renew that, wouldn't they? So yeah, and uh, Sky Living have picked up 911, which is Ryan Murphy's police procedural drama, which looks really quite interesting. That's got Connie Britton from um, uh, Nashville in it as well. And, uh, okay. uh, and Angela Bassett, the two of the <gasps> main leads. She's brilliant. So she's great. So uh, yeah. that could be really interesting. No air date on that yet, but uh, they've picked it up, which is one that we've been waiting for. And there was a minor little trailer that came out for House of Cards, which dropped during the Oscars. The only new bit of information really it gives you is that uh, the air date will be some point in the autumn, because that obviously got knocked back due to all the various goings on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yes, those. Those are the air date updates. On to bigger stories. We've got news that Terry Pratchett's Discworld, or part of Discworld series, has been making into a new TV series by BBC Studios, apparently. There's been a Discworld kind of series kicking around for a while, based on the Night Watch of uh, Anuk Morpork City Watch. And uh, there's been a TV series sort of idea based around that kicking around for a while, but it looks like the BBC are actually going to start making it. Uh, it's written by the Musketeers writer Simon Allen, who's also written on New Tricks and Strike Back as well. He's set to write the series. You, I'm assuming you're familiar with Terry Pratchett's. I'm familiar. I wasn't ever a reader when I was younger. I, I sort of bypassed it. But it's interesting that it's only being announced by BBC Studios, so there, there's not a guarantee that the BBC BBC will be the uh, exhibitor there. So that I find that quite an interesting point. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, it's quite possible that it will end up with a partner and it may end up on something like Amazon, which is what's mm. happening with uh, the with Good Omens, which is the, the other Pratchett thing that's being made right now. Uh, so uh, Good Omens is a partnership between BBC and Amazon. It's actually going to be on Amazon first and then on the BBC, which usually means that Amazon put more money into it. So, I mean, it's quite possible that if this comes around, because it is still only in early development at the moment. And uh, Rihanna Pratchett, who is Terry's daughter, has said, always wait for the official sources, folks. So... I don't think that means that it's not being made. I think that means probably some of the details I've just told you may not be correct. Uh, (laughs) So we'll have to wait and see exactly what it is, whether it is going to be a City Watch series or whether it's going to be something else entirely. But it would seem that there is is a Discworld series in development at the BBC. How far they get with it, I don't know. As I say, it's very early development now. Now, interestingly, Sky's being the people that have always done the Terry Pratchett stuff before because they did uh, Hogfather, Colour of Magic and Going Postal. And this will be something new and and not directly related to the books, I don't think. It's sort of taking Mm -hmm. characters and strands out of all the books rather than being one particular thing. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting Mm. to see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. 
And the other news story we've got this week is that uh, Brian J. Smith and Walter Goggins have been cast in the LA Confidential TV series, or rather TV pilot, I think this still is at the moment. Uh, so LA Confidential were book and uh, quite famous movie. It's set in the 1950s and it's about sort of three homicide detectives and a reporter and sort of this up-and-coming actress and a serial killer. And uh, it's all sort of the grit and glamour of the 1950s in LA. It was a really good movie. They're now doing a TV version of it, which I was obviously going to play around with the characters a bit more. It's been written by Jordan Harper, who worked on Gotham and The Mentalist. They're saying the tone and music and style will be of a modern day drama, but it'll be set in the 1950s, which Ooh. is an interesting idea. Yeah. So we'll see how that works. But um, the two actors, uh, Brian J. Smith is playing Ed Exley, who is the role that was played by Guy Pearce in the uh, movie version. Uh, character is described as cold, but with a conscience, brilliant, authoritative and ambitious. His uniformed LA cop, who is the son of a former hero detective turned real estate developer. He's competing against memory of his deceased brother, who was his father's favourite. Ed is determined to make his mark and become worthy in his father's eyes. He's single-minded in his pursuit to make detective and will do anything to prove himself. Brian J. Smith, you may know from Sense8, if you've watched that Netflix series. He's also popped up in episodes of Quantico and Defiance, Person of Interest, Blue Bloods. But the other main thing he were, he was in was uh, Gossip Girl and he was also in Stargate Universe as well. So that's him. And then Walter Goggins, this is the other one, he's playing um, Jack Vincennes, who is described as all swagger and flash with a movie star smile, not averse to the occasional corrupt shakedown. Jack knows how the system works and will use it to his best advantage. Uh, this was the part that Kevin Spacey played mm-hmm. in the movie. Goggins has recently been on the Navy SEALs drama Six. He was was also on HBO's Vice Principals. Yeah, he, was in, that. he was in uh, The Shield, uh, Hateful Eight, Django Unchained, Lincoln. He's in Ant-Man and Wasp. He's one of those face- names that you might not recognise, but faces you will, I think. Yeah. He's one of those yeah. guys. I am quite interested in who is going to take the Kim Basinger role. Right. I want to know. that. I'm surprised they didn't announce the female lead alongside those two. Um, I think Wharton Goggins is a brilliant choice it's a really good actor he's so diverse um obviously i've finished watching uh, vice principles over christmas there and sort of binge watch that really enjoyed it but uh, yeah my next like uh, i'm interested to find out who will get to play the kim basinger role um uh, and because that i think will be a very key character because she was so iconic in that movie yeah, there is the the other cop to come as well, which was the um, Russell Crowe part in the movie as well, who's kind of the gruff cop. That's the other person, isn't it? Mm. Like, yeah, so there's that there's that part to play as well. But yes, I mean, it will be very interesting to see who takes the female lead in that because it was a very kind of specific performance. So, uh, so yes, I'm I'm really interested. I'm intrigued with this idea of it using kind of modern tone and music and stuff, but set in the fifties. So yeah, I'm trying to think if anything else has done that, and I'm. I can't think of anything. No. I'm sort of racking my brains. I mean, it's on CBS, which is an interesting place for it because it's normal network TV and not like HBO or anything. That's going to be interesting to see how it sits Mm. because it's not really a CBS-y sort of show, I wouldn't have thought. I mean, you know, this is the place that does Hawaii Five O and those sort of cop shows. Yeah. Not this. So uh, I don't know. That that's gonna be really interesting. I'm very yeah. intrigued to see what that turns out like. So that's all the news we have for this week. Next we'll move on to the interview. <laughs> 
The interview this week is with writer-director Patrick Meany. Patrick is an award-winning filmmaker who has produced a number of documentaries talking to comic book people such as Grant Morrison, Neil Gaiman and Chris Claremont, who's very famous for writing The X-Men. His films have appeared on Netflix, Stars, Hulu, Amazon Prime and played festivals around the world. He also co-created the comic book series Last Born for Black Mass Studios. He's now made his first narrative feature, which is called House of Demons. Uh, stars a few people you might recognise. Amber Benson being the biggest one, who of course was Tara in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's Caitlin Borgen, who's been in Hawaii 5 Morgan Peter Brown, who's been in Castle and Parts and Wreck. Tiffany Smith, who's one of the presenters of DC All Access. So various like actors and uh, people from across geek culture that he's met throughout his travels. So we obviously talk about House of Demons, the movie. Uh, we also talk a little bit about um, comic books and uh, turning comic books into TV shows, and he work doing the documentary series and interviewing people like Grant Morrison uh, so he was a really interesting guy to talk to the interview is about 15 minutes long just before we start the interview I should say there was some building work going on next door so if you're driving along and you hear any odd hammering don't worry it's not your car they're having some building work done in the uh, building next door so occasionally you hear some like light hammering going on don't panic apologies for that there wasn't anything we could do about it here's the interview <laughs> Hey, Patrick, how are you doing? Oh, doing good. Thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah, for sure. You really just want to sort of talk through some of the your various works, and I guess your movie, the the big yeah. movie that you're uh, you're doing at the moment. Well, let's start with a bit of background. So okay. how, how did you get into um, film production in the first place? Well, ever since I was a kid, that was kind of always what I wanted to do and what I was always, you know, most interested in. Saw like Star Wars when I was, you know, very, very, very young and was always like, oh, I, you know, want to make stuff like that. You know, I want to make movies. So yeah. when I was a kid, I would, you know, shoot stuff with my friends. And then as I got older, when I was going to college, you know, I wanted to go and study film and kind of try to get into the industry. So I wound up doing that. I studied film. I came out and I wanted to, you know, produce stuff. And then I was lucky enough. I'd written a whole bunch of blogs about uh, Grant Morrison's comic, The Invisibles, when yeah. I was in school. And this publisher called Sequard approached me and were like, oh, we want to turn this into a book. And I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Well, let's do it. And then when we were doing it, they were like, oh, we want to go interview Grant as part of this. And I was like, oh, well, if we're doing that, what if we pitch him on this concept of maybe doing a documentary about him? Cool. And I hadn't done a documentary at the time. I'd done a lot of sort of like short films and kind of, you know, narrative stuff. Um, but I figured I could do it. And we sent him the pitch and he was like, OK, sure, let's do it. So that kind of was where it all started and then went out, filmed with him. And once you have kind of, you know, grant seal of approval in the comics world, that means a lot. So kind yeah. of any people we wanted to interview and then subsequently when it came time to do the other projects, you know, the other docs, everybody was sort of like, oh, if it's good enough for Grant, you know, it's good enough for us. <laughs> um, so it was great kind of from there. You know, once I did the thing on Grant, it sort of spiraled and we did the Warren Ellis project, the Neil Gaiman project, the Image Comics project, um, the She Makes Comics and the project on Chris Claremont. And so through this whole time, I had always wanted to do uh, more narrative stuff as well. I was always kind of doing short films and things on the side and eventually uh, got the script and the funding together for the uh, movie that's out now called House of Demons and shot that. And then so that just came out. And that's that's kind of the the journey so far in the a short, short summary of it. <laughs> 
So yeah, you've got a uh, House of Demons, which um, you wrote and directed. Yeah. Do you want to just give a, a quick overview of the story? Sure. So basically, the film's about kind of four friends who have uh, drifted apart after a car accident, left uh, their other friend paralyzed, and they all sort of have kind of issues in their lives they're dealing with and kind of dealing with, you know, growing up and like kind of moving forward and, and you know, they're just kind of stuck. Mm. And they get back together. They're going to a wedding. Uh, they're all invited to and they stay out at this house in the woods that used to be home to sort of a kind of Charles Manson-y uh, cult of people <laughs> who were into sort of doing like weird kind of like black magic rituals and things that mess with space and time. So as they're staying there, sort of the, the people from the 60s kind of collide into the present and sort of the subconscious and uh, kind of everything, time and space and the subconscious all blur. And they're forced to essentially confront all their, you know, inner demons. And some of these inner demons kind of become outer demons uh, over the course of the movie. And it's about, you know, kind of seeing like they're either going to overcome this stuff that they've been dealing with or get destroyed by it. Interesting. Okay. So where did the idea for the uh, story come from? It's a whole bunch of different places. So um, one of the big things was kind of thinking about something that was, you know, when you're dealing with a, a smaller budget, it was coming up with kind of something that was contained. Um, and I always loved like The Shining yeah. and this notion of kind of like times colliding and sort of a space that has a lot of uh, resonance and power. So we had this idea of sort of this house that had properties where things would become manifest. And for all the, the sort of present day characters, it was just thinking about like different people, you know, people like I knew or people from other uh, kind of like scripts I had written and things and just kind of putting some interesting people in the mix. And then when I moved out to L.A., I read a book about Charles Manson because I was kind of like, oh, this is interesting part of, you know, local history that I'm not that familiar with. And it was interesting because they were talking a lot about how people seem to think he had almost like supernatural powers. And I was kind of like, oh, well, what if somebody like that did have supernatural powers and what would happen with that? And so a lot of it is kind of seeing the way somebody like that was able to manipulate people. And it wasn't that he went out and murdered people, which I think is, you know, not that interesting, but it's interesting that he was able to get other people to do this for him and to kind of believe in his cause so much that they would do this. So I was very interested in that. And then I I think also kind of one of the big ideas was the, the idea of doing sort of like a seance, but from reverse. So it's almost like these people in the present are getting seanced from the right. 60s. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is something like, you know, because always you see it like, oh, they're summoning the spirits. But, you know, what what are the deal for those spirits or those people? So I thought it was interesting. And I mean, I, I love like character based stuff and I love kind of weird stuff. So the goal was sort of like mash up a lot of that stuff together. Yeah, uh, that, that's a really intriguing idea. Uh, yeah, that sounds really interesting. You've got a, a great cast together for it as well it's really interesting cast you pull together uh the the biggest name or probably the most known name to our audience is going to be amber benson i would imagine she mm-hmm. was of course tara from buffy where did you find the cast for the uh film well a lot of the people were people that i had kind of interviewed or, or met along the way of doing um all the docs and kind of getting involved in the world of you know comic-con or yeah. geek whatever uh, you want to call it. So Amber, I had interviewed 
for the Grant Morrison doc uh, a while back. Right. Because she's a big, you know, fan of Grant's and especially uh, We Three. Uh, so we just got to stay in touch. I would see each other at like Comic Cons and things. And then when I had the script, I was like, oh, I think this would be cool to work on together, send it to her. And she was into it. So a lot of the other people like, you know, Tiffany Smith, for example, does uh, DC All Access. Yeah. And I had met her, interviewed her for the, the She Makes Comics doc, you know, went to her and was like, oh, I think this would be a fun role, an interesting role for you. And also she wound up... It, it's funny because it's like a very small world. Like everybody, once I cast them, was like, oh, I know all these these other people. Or like <laughs> Dove, who plays the, the cult leader, was like, oh, I was in a movie that Amber directed and right. um, was produced by the person who ended up just being our distributor for the movie. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was a very small world. Uh, like Talison Jaffe, who's very popular now for a critical role. Yeah. Is, um, I had interviewed him for a doc back in the day or, you know, a few years ago, and uh, he was in a, a couple short films I did. Chloe Dykstra was in a short film I did uh, that also starred Tiffany and Talison. Um, so it was a lot of people that I knew. And then some of it was just auditions. Um, yeah. But some of those people like Whitney Moore, for example, we auditioned her. I didn't know her. She was great. And then turned out that she was also a host and kind of and wound up working with Tiffany at DC <laughs> and had worked with Chloe on Machinima. So it, it was like a very small world of, of people, which I think was cool because it's it is kind of a, a challenging concept and a lot of weird, uh, you know, ideas and things. So it was good to have people who were familiar with kind of comics and sci-fi who could kind of be like, okay, I, I understand this is like a, an alternate version of myself or whatever. And, and could kind of, you know, knew what was going on with those concepts and weren't too confused by it. Yeah. You know, it, it helps if you have people that, that kind of get this sort of stuff when they're, uh, when they're doing it. Kind <laughs> of, I guess. In, in terms of the locations, where, where did you shoot it and how did you find, cause I mean, presumably that the, uh, the, house is fairly important in, in this i would have thought oh yeah for sure that was one of the big challenges so the house we wound up shooting at is in los angeles national forest which is up near uh, santa clarita which is about 45 minutes away from la yeah um, but it, it feels like a totally different world like it's very it's just kind of forest and very remote so that the house was I, you know i think it looked great on screen as a very like kind of 70s look with a lot of like wood paneling and yeah um it was a tricky place to shoot because they, uh, the, as we found out, the water was not like potable and the, the bathroom wound up breaking. <laughs> and so we, we had a lot of issues up there. Um, this it's out of cell phone reception. Oh, no. um, so it, re it really was kind of like being up in, you know, off the grid for sure. Um, but it was great cause it was very isolated and we could kind of run around at night and set up lights and set up uh, generators and things and just be, you know, yelling and things. And, and nobody came and bothered us. So that's, that's what you really want with a movie like this is just yeah. to be able to kind of do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> so that, that was great. It, it was a house where like, I feel like we used everything that that house had to offer. Every like corner was shot and it, you know, it worked out great, but it, it was definitely a challenging place to shoot in, in that regard. So you mentioned it was a, it's a relatively low budget production mm -hmm. that you're, you're making. Were there any particular issues? I mean, apart from the ones you've already mentioned, were there any particular issues be, because you know things that you might might have liked to do with a much bigger budget but you sort of had to try and work your way around because of mm. you know what you were working on it's kind of a question of prioritizing so 
one of the, the most expensive elements was we had a, a demon character right? and we spent a lot of money on the makeup. Cause I was like, this is very important to have this makeup looking great and to, you know, be very believable and still let the actor kind of, you know, do their acting. But it was really, it was really about priority in the script stage. And I, I mean, the biggest thing is, is we had to shoot very quickly. So we shot the whole movie in 13 days. It was a <laughs> wow. 90 page script. So it was like seven pages a day on average. So we were really, you know, some days you would yeah. have to go through 10 or something and we were really kind of you know zip it along so i mean that that's the biggest thing i think if you know if you can have a little more time it can help with finessing some you know lighting setups and things and it was just a lot of it was just planning in advance and just making sure the schedule worked and just kind of being the, the most efficient as possible and you can't be super picky when you're you know you just got to keep moving and kind of hope that it all all clicks together yeah yeah absolutely were you a particular fan of of this sort of horror movie genre growing up is is this something that you gravitated towards i mean i think for me a lot of it was inspired by um you know like vertigo comics of of the 90s like grant stuff or neil stuff or, right. or alan moore so i i mean i i think horror like there are there are many great horror movies i love like the shining you know a, a lot of recent movies like it follows and, and stuff like that but yeah i was never somebody who was loved like you know friday the 13th series or you know just kind of like the the slasher genre or like the, you know, torture porn genre or, or those sort of things. So I, I think it was always more like the weird, the weird side of things. So I think some, some issues of like Sandman or, or a lot of like what Grant was doing, I think is, is what I was trying to tap into where it's horror, but it's more uh, kind of existential and it's more about kind of presenting the, these weird ideas and kind of, you know, uh, I think Sandman and Neil's work has a lot of places where it's like a, a place that has some kind of, you know, properties or, or powers. Yeah. And that was something that, that I was kind of inspired by um, and really liked the idea of. So I, I think it's that kind of vertigo aesthetic was a huge, huge influence for me as like a teenager and just kind of seeing how uh, kind of like weird and out there stories could be while still, you know, hitting on an emotional level and, and finding an audience. Yeah, I mean, three of the authors you've interviewed so far are, are probably three of the strangest authors uh, in terms mm -hmm. of their work. I mean, you know, Greg Morrison, Warren Ellis and uh, Neil Gaiman have got some of the trippiest work out there, I would say, in comic books. So I oh, guess yeah, that sure. shows, you, shows you the kind of the type of stuff you like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love that stuff. And I, I think it's one of the cool things about comics and one of the reasons that I really like them is that they that sort of more different stuff is in there you know it's cool to read something that's a little more out there and that you wouldn't see in a movie like yeah. that hasn't been on film so part of it I think for me was like I want to bring some of these ideas and kind of concepts in into movies in a way that hasn't been seen like obviously we're seeing you know, a superhero movie or TV show every week now, but that's, yeah. that's not necessarily bringing some of the, the like weirder side of comics. Like, I don't think we've seen, you know, any of the films based on Jack Kirby's work. I don't think anything is as, you know, out there as like the fourth world or, or really captures like the full scope of the ideas that he had on the page that he was just, you know, throwing out there every month. No, no. I mean, it'll come. I think the strangest stuff will get there, but, uh, you know, probably as a Netflix series, I can't see like normal network TV over in America taking some, some of the uh, weirder shows. But uh, but yeah, it's great that we have those in comic books anyway. I mean, it is cool. I will say like watching, you know, ha the happy show now uh, based yeah. on Grant's comic. It, it is yeah, pretty yeah. out there and pretty strange. So it's very cool to see it sort of seeping in. But 
you know, I mean, comics was doing it like 25 years ago. And I, I think there's still a lot of territory and kind of uh, ideas and emotions and things to be mined um, or, you know, to be inspired by from there that hasn't kind of made it out of the, the comics world yet. Yeah, there's certainly a lot to pick from. And I mean, you're getting more and more stuff coming through on, on TV. You've got the Umbrella Academy coming to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Miller's now part of Netflix, basically, as well. So you've got all his yeah. stuff going across there. So, you know, they, yeah, are mining, sure. they are mining that stuff quite a lot now. So uh, Yeah, I mean, there's a the Preacher Show or American yeah, yeah. Gods all, all have a lot of kind of uh, out there elements. But I think sometimes the thing that made those work special was not just that they were out there. It was the the feeling. And I think sometimes they struggle to capture like that blend of, of kind of the weirder side and the emotional side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I, on, and I think it is a little different, you know, on screen, certain things rep, they represent in a more kind of extreme way than on the page. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to find the balance and, you know, kind of uh, make it work, but it's all definitely interesting stuff and, and really cool to see that stuff kind of filtering out now. Yeah, definitely. So um, what are you up to next? Well, I've been working on a, a bunch of new scripts and I've been talking to kind of the same distributor as House of Demons about doing something. So I'm hoping we'll be able to shoot this year. And the, the idea would be to do something maybe a little more straightforward than the House of Demons is, but still having a lot of the, the weirdness and uh, bringing a lot of the cast back. Um, I also had the doc I did about Chris Claremont came out and expanded a feature length version uh, a couple weeks ago. So that's out now and it's perfect timing since Legion, which is another crazy. Yeah, uh, no, that is a weird show. show. Yeah. yeah. Um, is coming out in a uh, couple months and uh, there's, you know, Dark Phoenix, I think is coming out later this year. So th- there's always new Claremont stuff. And I, I think for that project, it was very interesting to talk to somebody who was kind of a precursor uh, of you know, your Grant Morrison or Warren Ellis or Neil Gaiman that was kind of one of the earlier comic book auteurs. Yeah. And see, uh, you know, if he had come around uh, 20 years later, he might have been writing his own long Vertigo series instead of X-Men. But yeah. he came along at this time when he wrote X-Men. And I think it's a fun movie if, if, you know, you get to learn a lot about how all these iconic characters were created and see kind of why... Uh, some of the challenges of dealing with a, a behemoth like Marvel, um, yeah. which is, you know, interesting. So that's on video on demand and Amazon, iTunes, et cetera. Now. Cool. A couple of final questions. We okay. always ask people first is what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Well, I just finished France happy. Um, I, I was very impressed by it. I, I think it started a little slow, but once you kind of got into the rhythm, it was just really enjoyable. Chris Maloney is crazy and <laughs> it was fun. It was fun to finally see sort of uh, that grand sensibility on the screen. And yeah. I'm hoping that it, it leads to more stuff. The Good Place, I mean, on, on a comedy side, but still series. out yeah. there side was, yeah. I mean, it was a crazy season because it was like every episode you're like, well, this is, I guess, the premise of the show now. And then yeah. you'd be like, oh, no, this, I guess, is the premise of the show now. Yeah, yeah. So I love that. Um, I mean, I've actually been really liking the new X-Files as well. I mean, that the Darren Morgan episode from a, a few weeks ago was one of their best. And it's been um, just fun to, you know, see those characters back investigating weird stuff again. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't oversold on the first one, but the, uh, it, it's yeah. got better as it's gone along. So yeah, for sure. Uh, and the last question is, if you had the opportunity to work on a TV show, past, present or future, which TV show would it be? Oof, that's a good question. Um, I, I mean, it's in the mind now, but I feel like maybe, maybe X-Files because 
Cause I feel like if you worked on a show like game of Thrones or, you know, something like that, it, it's so serialized. You'd just always be writing like a little piece of something big, but on the X-Files, I feel like you'd have the chance to come up with something, a whole story yeah, and put it out there and, and make your own kind of stamp on it, which I think is cool. I, I think it's not as popular a format now. Like most shows on Netflix are kind of like, they always say like a 10 hour movie or an eight hour movie or whatever, which is, uh, can be great. But I think if, if I was to, you know, work on a show that I didn't create, it would be fun to have the chance to really make a stamp on it and, and make your own kind of stories and have that flexibility. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. The sort of monster of the week thing has sort of fallen a bit out of favor recently. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I know I, I was always frustrated back in the day because it would be like, this is the, the stakes are so high. The whole world's ending. Then the next week they're like, we rolled into, you know, whatever rural Alabama to investigate a frog monster in the swamp. <laughs> yeah. Like what happened? Like I thought the world was ending. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, if you can find the balance, it's fun to not always have just like another, you know, little chunk of a, a gigantic story. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. I shall let you go. I hope the hammering stops soon for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. So <laughs> awesome. Well, have a great day. Thanks for coming. Oh, on. great. Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, Cheers. let me know when it's live. I'll send the links out. Yeah, will do. All right. See you. Uh, cool. Thank you. So that was the interview with Patrick. Hope you enjoyed that. House of Demons is available on DVD right now, so you can go on to Amazon and buy that. The various documentaries are all over the place. If you Google them, uh, there's Grant Morrison talking with gods, Neil Gaiman dreamed dangerously, uh, The Image Revolution, the new one, which is Chris Claremont's X-Men. They're all available at various places around the web, so you uh, you can go and find those. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week on TV. Um, There's quite a lot. Not as many as there were last week, which was completely ridiculous. But uh, we are in March, and March has a lot of new TV coming. So, uh, Once Upon a Time starts up again for the second half of its seventh and final season, as they announced last week. So, that's back on the 6th of March on Netflix. Riverdale is back for the second half of its season. That's on the 8th of March. Jessica Jones returns for its second season. That's on the 8th of March as well. I have watched all of Jessica Jones um, I am looking forward to it I sort of decided to isolate myself from all the reviews of Iron Fist and Luke Cage and just focus on Jessica Jones which was my favourite um, so I'll be looking forward to that one when it comes back yeah it's uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that one it really was one of my favourites out of that whole run Luke Cage was really good uh, uh, yeah Iron Fist not so good uh, Defenders was great though Defenders was worth watching if you've not caught that and you yes. don't really need to see Iron Fist without, to, to see the Defenders so you know oh good I, I might I might on my list <laughs> yeah <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine returning for its fifth season on E4 that's on the 8th of March as well 8th of March is very popular um, yeah so that's at 9pm on E4 Nashville returns for its sixth and final season that's on the 9th of March at 10pm on Sky Living another great show coming back Sneaky Pete season two of that coming to Amazon Prime on the 9th of March if you've not caught the first season of this and you've got an Amazon Prime subscription go and watch it it's brilliant I have temporarily got Amazon Prime that it was for work purposes right. um, I just don't think I'll be able to squeeze it in if I'm going to use Amazon Prime for anything it's to try and get through as much life in pieces as possible uh, before <laughs> yeah. my uh, temporary subscription ends <laughs> <laughs> yes definitely that's a good choice as well life in pieces is a great show Superstition coming to Netflix this is a supernatural drama about the Hastings family who own their own funeral home in the mysterious town of La Rochelle in Georgia 
Torture stars Mario Van Peebles. It's coming to Netflix on the 9th of March. No idea whether it be any good or not, but if you like supernatural dramas, one to look out for. And finally, we have the second half of Chicago Fire arriving. That's for season six, part two. That's on the 13th of March at 9pm on Sky Living. Yeah. So uh, I think that's everything for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to put in. Uh, they just need to stop releasing so much. I can't, it's filling up my iPad too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I know you should see uh, Matt tearing his hair out because he tends to do podcasts for individual shows he's got like one for iZombie and one for the DC shows and the one for The Walking Dead and he's just kind of crying at the moment at the amount of stuff that he's, he's coming in March he's like I can't cover it all so uh, yeah it's uh, it, it's crazy March and April I've got a ridiculous amount of things starting yeah. so yes keep your eyes out for uh, all the latest updates because we've got lots of new things coming in on a daily basis basis at the moment so go to the website to find that what's your twitter account if they want to follow it so i'm gonna start using it a little bit more it's at gray the geek um i'm gonna be trying to use more of my film reviews through there as well and do comments on the tv programs that i'm watching even though i'm normally a lot further behind than a lot of the people <laughs> who will be listening but yeah do follow me at gray the geek and for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week see all the latest air date info if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geekdown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geekdown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geekdown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geekdown and on instagram at geekdown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye 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 Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.